0: podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can
1: speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope.
0: Welcome to In the Thicket. This week we're talking about waiting for clarity. It's the second week in our Advent series and we wanted to focus on what it's like when you're in that spot where you're waiting for the Lord to lead or waiting for the completion of a discernment, or waiting for him to spell out the next move. And Father Edmund Lowe is our guest. He is a Jesuit who is based in Montreal currently, and he joined us to talk about discernment and his experience of those times of waiting for clarity, how he was able to notice the Lord doing things in a pattern in his life, and to follow him through being faithful to that pattern. And we also talked about what it means to kind of be in that time before the sun rises in the morning, where there's a sense that it might come. But where there's not evidence of it yet, and what we can do in those times to be faithful to the Lord and to still grow in our call to holiness, we hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hey, Erin. How are you? Hey, everybody. You? Hello. I just waved, and... but no one. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It was only for the YouTubers.
0: Uh, that's right that's right, <laughs> that's right. Rachel's being exclusive towards the YouTubers. And hello, we have Father Edmund Lowe joining us today. Hi, Father. How are you?
3: Good evening. I'm doing very well. How are y'all doing? Not
0: good
1: bad. Not bad. Yeah, good. pretty good. i'm I'm tired today. i'm I'm tired but I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) It's the, you know, it's the end of the semester here of my Mm -hmm. first semester teaching. And then I'm also doing PhD stuff. And then I, I, you know what I've been, it's been great. Like this semester has been great, but last night I just was up. I woke up at, you know, the thing where you wake up at like 3am and then you're up for two or three hours and you just, it's just like, well, that's what I just Mm -hmm. had a night like that last night, which has been the first time in a long time.
0: So Mm -hmm. today it was a little bit more floaty, you know? Yeah. yeah, floaty feeling. But it's good. It's good. That used to happen a lot with you, eh? Like you had a good streak there where you were
1: I, I did. That was a little a little period of my life where I was not having great sleeps, but it's been good for a while. Just tonight was a little uh little throwback, throwback Thursday.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome.
1: That yeah, but awesome. how are you, Rachel?
2: I'm, I'm okay. So I'm, you know, people know who've been listening for me a couple episodes. I'm in Texas and it's kind of been wild. Like I had my first American Thanksgiving, which was
4: awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's like, it was so weird because it was two Thanksgivings that I had this year. And then being here, it was because Thanksgiving in Canada is on Monday. Uh, Right. Right. And so then you're used to celebrating like Sunday and Monday, and then you go back to work on Tuesday. But here it was just like a Thursday. So I was like, I'm, it's just Thursday. And we're having like turkey and pie. And it just, <laughs> it felt right. so cool, but also very odd to me. So yeah. I loved
0: it though. It was good. Yeah. Mm, sounds was good. Yeah. 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 Um, I am currently finger knitting Wreaths for my sister to sell at markets, and so my two like pincher fingers have mm. like yarn burn. Like, oh boy, I have it on my fingers now. Oh, look at so you! I'll put it, I'll put a picture, I'll put a picture of one of the yarns on the YouTube thing, but it's, it's like, like a long snake. Yeah. So, like finger knitting the yarn, you do like a whole massive thing like that, and then you take it and wrap it around the wire frame, and it looks mm. super pretty, but definitely it's like pulling the loops over each other. And so, right. my like, like I have callus, like I have calluses oh. on one hand from playing guitar, and then calluses on the other hand from, from knitting. Or knitting, like just like hearty I'm hands. I'm such a hippie. I know. <laughs> I can't even. Anyway, so that's what. It's how good. has your week been, Father? How has your week been so far?
3: My week has been good. Um, I uh, yeah, I tend to overwork myself, and and uh, I had finally had an off day uh, in, in a long time on Sunday, so I slept in mm-hmm. on Sunday and afterwards uh, yeah this week has been has been good has been busy but not super duper busy
0: that's nice yeah <laughs> those are <laughs> your just, levels father busy <laughs> super busy super duper
2: busy <laughs> <laughs> busy is the lowest
0: <laughs> that's right yeah that's right. yeah but that's good though honestly cuz I, I don't know if you guys find this but I feel like I go into every Advent and Lent with the same intention of like slowing down, Mm. praying more, like listening to the Lord. And then I get halfway through the season. I'm like, what the heck? Like, why is there more on plain plate now than there, you know, than there is usually? So this is a, a good chance to ask what for you guys is like, what's what does your Advent Christmas kind of usually look like? Do you have any like traditions mm. with your family or what do you usually do? Mm. Mm. There's well, okay. I have to admit, I feel this is not a family thing. This is just a
2: me thing, but I really do love Christmas carols. Like I know, I know it's not Christmas yet. It's Advent and that's really important, Mm -hmm. but I genuinely love listening to them. And I have a habit of after basically November, basically November 1st, not even Advent. It's not even anywhere near Advent. And I'm like, let's just, it's just happening. And I have like a, a succession of carols. So first I start with Christmas songs from like, that are, have nothing to do with anything religious. They're just peppy songs. Okay. And we're talking Destiny's Child. We're talking Family Force Five. I don't know if anyone knows that, but if you know that reference, it's a great Christmas album. And anyways, all these things. And then when it gets to Advent, then I start giving myself permission to listen to like, hymns you know or like <laughs> more okay more real christmas okay related. but Man, it does we are gonna get me. hate mail from the liturgists are. who are I listening know. to that <laughs> I <know>. i'm sorry it <laughs> honestly helps me prepare my heart for christmas it makes uh, me excited so awesome.
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: that's Don't great yeah no that's
0: mm-hmm. good that's beautiful i love it yeah
1: i love it What about you Erin? what's your traditions
0: well okay so for for advent usually i would say um I uh, I usually try and aim to for reading something, like having some good mm. reading. And I for, I totally oh, yeah. forget the name of the book. I'll have to look it up. But there was one that the Poco, a Poco Podcast Friars mentioned, um, The Advent of the Heart. I think that's the mm. book. And I tried to read it last year. And I was like, for some reason, my brain was like, nope, not the time to read it. Like, you know, when you read a spiritual book and you're like, mm. it's just like the first time I tried to read um, the Diary of St. Faustina, I was like, mm. nope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not the time or like saint john of the cross oh wait father edmund has it he's bringing no it way he's no. bringing it over do you think it's the one you think it is though or heart? Is it like yeah, i think or- because father edmund it's one yes alfred oh, delp yeah. yes so this is a priest he was in oh. um he was in a concentration camp right oh father, oh, father edmund it. is endorsing it yeah nice nice yeah so That's amazing <laughs> We will put it yeah. in the show notes.
2: Yep. I also feel
4: totally showed up
2: right now because I'm like talking about Destiny's Child and you got this like epic, super awesome, holy book that you're trying to read. So, you know, I'm, I'm oh, like, good. No,
0: no, that's good. No, it's good. That's good. 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 I was just going to say, yeah, I usually try and read something and then right. I, can, I read like some of it and. And I'll like, I end up reading it like into the Christmas season or I'm like still reading it in Lent or like, anyway, so that's you, my tradition for anything is just dragging things on far longer than, than <laughs> necessary. So that's what, well, what about you? What about you, father? Where do you go for Christmas? This is a good question. Cause you are a Jesuit.
3: Indeed. Yeah. So Christmas, um, I'm based in Montreal and I'm not really going anywhere for Christmas. I'm sticking around. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, uh, I usually spend Christmas with my Jesuit community.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, you know, y'all were talking about like Advent, Christmas, customs, traditions mm. uh, I suppose, you know, personally, I do have one It's si- kind of similar to Rachel, but without Destiny's Child Okay, that's fair
2: <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Father, I'll give you yeah. that yeah.
3: It's, yeah, I, yeah, I cannot be as cool There can only be one thing <laughs> yeah, But I do I do have a song list, you know, that's like Advent mm. slash Christmas Because, you know, mm-hmm. some of them nice. you know, overlap And, you know, if I listen to yeah. our Christmas, it prepares my heart for it yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so um i would oh. say my my favorite on that list right now is uh uh franz biebel's ave maria so Ooh. if you if you know it uh look it up it's um yeah it's deeply moving
0: Friends, people's mm. office. We'll put that in the show notes too for people to to look at. That's awesome. Beautiful. That's I awesome. I love all the music stuff. What about you, Nicole? You are very musical. Is that your preparation for, well, for Christmas? Yeah, you know, your Christmas tradition? Yeah. It's funny
1: because so growing up, my family always had like an advent wreath of like the fake, um, you know, fake uh what do you call pine leaf thing branch things, you know, in a wreath formation with like yes. pretty berry thingy on, you know, like a wreath. Um, and the advent candles. And so we would like, oh um, you know when i was a kid it was almost every night we'd have a little family prayer time and so during advent we'd light whatever candles um which i have like a fear of fire so i i don't I don't love the whole candle thing, you know, like I'm fine if I'm the one lighting it and putting it up, but if someone else is doing it, I'm freaked out. Anyway, that's a side note. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. But we would light the candles and then sing Advent songs. And so, and I think my parents still have like a little like, um, like booklet that they've put together of lyrics for different Advent hymns. And so we'd sing those together and everyone's harmonizing. And so that's like, I don't know, a really, I think a beautiful part of Advent, but yeah. Since I've been living not with my family for the last several years, I don't have like my own Advent traditions. Mm. So mm. I, that's still like a thing to figure out, you know, and yeah. um, but I have right now I've been given two booklets of Advent devotionals just kind of by fluke one by the University Catholic um, uh, community here in Nashville, they mm-hmm. mailed me one. And so I have yet to kind of delve into that, but it's just like different reflections by students. And then the university I work at also put out an advent uh, kind of devotional book of reflections written by faculty. So I'm like, okay, I've got, cool. I've got lots of resources, but I just, I need to get me like an advent wreath with
0: mm-hmm. the candles or and, make one, you know, or, yeah, or like make one great, exactly, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. just on a last note of hymns, I just like to say that I'm not sure exactly how we left this out, but um, a couple of weeks ago was Christ the King um, mm-hmm. Feast, right? Somehow we did not mention the King of Glory comes, the people rejoice, <laughs> and, and the Stephen, what's his name? The dance, um, o- Stephen Colbert. Yes. Yeah, right. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I don't know this. Are you serious? Hey oh. guys, I was homeschooled. This is my, my goodness. Okay, listen. (gasps) We'll put that in the show notes too. It's Nicole mainly. It's going to be a long show
4: notes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll try and find a video of it and also put it in the show notes for sure because. Stephen Colbert, I think he was teaching CCD classes in the states, and it was like his classroom that CCD. C- so like, um, uh, like catechism oh. class. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, and so he was dancing. Like he did like a liturgical dance Great. to King of, and it is all right. Just brilliant. It is something. It you sounds like it. in my memory forever. <laughs> and ever. So, anyways, you know, all right, I'll take a look. All right, oh, all, right. all right, okay, good. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> let's turn it back to you, Father, because we didn't, we haven't, um. Really, uh, giving you the chance to introduce yourself a little bit. So, do you want to share a little bit about who you are?
3: Who are you? Who
0: yes. Are you?
3: <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So, my name is Father Edmund Lowe. I am a Jesuit priest. I uh, was born and raised in Hong Kong essentially 13 years. Mm-hmm. And then our family moved to Canada and we call mm-hmm. Vancouver home. So, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So, I'm from the real West.
4: Yeah,
1: beautiful Mm BC. Yeah, so that's
3: uh, that's one of the reasons why I love mountains.
2: Mm, Yeah, I've never been, Father. I really, I need
1: to. I know I've never been out west. I've never (gasps) been
0: out west. (gasps) Okay, well, we'll go on a road trip sometime. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I've been. Yeah, I was there in BC once when I was seven years old, and I remember when we drove into the mountains, like. Tearing up, like weeping because oh. they were so beautiful, right? Because I grew up on the prairie. So mm-hmm. that's right, great, right? Yeah, yeah
3: totally. That's, that's interesting because uh, when I was teaching in the prairies in Saskatchewan, um, I remember one of my students coming back from the summer. He said, Oh, hey, I went to your home province. You know, I saw the mountains. I said, Oh, great. So uh, what did you think of it? And then he said, Well, they're in the way. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, that's hilarious because yes. the sky, yeah. you can't see the sky. Yes, I don't know. That's okay, that's so funny. If I if I live in any places that are really hilly or really like I don't know downtown Toronto or any of these mountains, I do feel like that. I'm like, it's in the way me, of the sky. Could you please move? It's in the way of the sky. It's like
0: you only get little snippets wow. of sky. You know. Yeah. Anyway. That's interesting. That's I feel like there's a <sighs> whole spiritual thing in there because <laughs> Jesus and prayer on the mountaintop, so that, they, so that they weren't in the way of the sky anymore. <laughs> Anyways, that's a whole. It's another episode, but but yeah, okay, sorry, Father. Yes, interesting
3: too. Yeah, uh, you know, like we have the sermon on the mount. You know, like the, mm. the kind of elevated, but uh, the the equivalent in the Gospel of Luke is sermon on the plains.
0: Oh, right. right.
3: So well, indeed, interesting. That, that that might just be another episode for you guys.
0: Yeah, that's right, exactly exactly there exactly. we go. Yep. So father what for you was like cuz it's always fascinating i find when people are kind of discerning you know religious life like what's a little bit about like what that looked like for you when you were discerning religious life and why why the jesuits and cuz this feeds right into the kind of the question of this episode which is about clarity you know when we're waiting for clarity from the lord about uh, the million different things that um that we need clarity on
3: Yeah so discernment jesuits um you know i suppose i was I was once young, like you all, <laughs> um, and, yeah, and the idea of being a, being a priest, being a but it, um, it wasn't the first thing that came to mind. Um, mm. I would say it was, um, it was from World Youth Day 2002, that was when mm. I was like, young, I was 20, was I 20 at that time? Something like that, but anyway, <laughs> mm. um, I came out of it not having like great epiphanies, oh wow, you know, my heart totally on fire, I just thought, I want to go to Mass more. Hmm. and so it started from that and uh, and slowly um you know this this idea of uh becoming a priest you know came along and uh, i met i met different uh, priests religious or diocesan along the way and uh, when i met the jesuits it wasn't like love at first sight like, oh my god you know but <laughs> i got to got to know them and see who they are and they introduced to me, to you know, like the way St. Ignatius teaches us to pray, how, uh, how God is at work in the world, how we see uh, God is at work in the world, how we uh, collaborate with him, how we work with him in the world. And mm. so essentially, I was introduced to this idea of Ignatian spirituality. Mm. And the more I, uh, I learned about it, the more I thought, wow, this really fits like a glove. I thought I was weird all the time, but these <laughs> people are just as weird.
4: <laughs> that's
0: <right. laughs> that is I love awesome that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, and it's interesting too with the. Um, like for those who know a little bit about Ignatian Ignatian spirituality, like there's a huge wealth there in terms of discernment, mm-hmm. like discernment of spirits and how to tell like how the Holy Spirit is acting in the heart and um, what God is saying and what God is doing and you know, all of these kind of things. Um, but that was part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this kind of issue of clarity, is because it can be particularly painful when you're sitting in that place where you feel like the Lord is going to say something, like there's almost an anticipation of like, you know, that he needs to say something to you because you can't really move in a direction unless he does, like, unless he guides you or gives you some kind of clarity or, you know, and it can be such a hard place to be in, to have patience in that place. And, um, yeah. And to know kind of what to do in that In that place and how to deal with that that pain or how to how to how to prepare our hearts I guess to listen um, in a patient and kind of constant and receptive way so maybe could you share a little bit about what that's been like for you like maybe in your discernment or in your you know your time as a Jesuit what um, what has that kind of like how have you experienced those times of waiting for clarity from the Lord what does that look like
3: yeah, thank you, Aaron, for the question. I would say uh, uh, my own discernment process really plays into this, uh, like the, the topic that we're discussing. Mm. Uh, so, you know, as I said, I, um, I began to discern this call to the priesthood and then to the Jesuits, you know, when I was in my early 20s. So this would have been uh, during my time uh, as an undergraduate and then mm. into my gra- uh, graduate school years. And uh, again, as I just uh, had just mentioned to you, when I discover the Jesuits and that, hey, they really fit like a glove,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, then, yes. you know, there, there was, I would say there was a bit of a clarity to that.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: There's a bit of a clarity to that. But uh, what is not clear was that I was, um, I was an undergraduate student. So my mm-hmm. background is uh, science. So mm-hmm. I was doing lab work and I was not bad at it.
4: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: and grad school was like looming in the background Mm -hmm. and then I had a girlfriend at that time in other words um, life was good Mm -hmm. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. that I needed to make any big changes but this whole Jesuit thing was you know it was in the background Um, Mm
4: -hmm. yeah
3: so I just wasn't ready to make a decision but nevertheless I think a decision was made that oh, I Mm -hmm. continue with life and, right. Yeah, and so um, I mean, obviously, you look at me. The girlfriend thing didn't work out, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and graduate school continued. So I was reflecting on this actually, and I thought, so would it be uh, would it be uh, right to say that I was in a sort of a holding pattern? I wasn't really doing mm. anything. So in my reflection, I thought, well, I wasn't sitting there waiting for a divine sign. Uh, to be shown to me because i think uh, at least during uh, during that time in my life there was a uh, there was some definite um definite um deadline there there's a timeline because i had a master's to finish
4: right mm.
3: yeah so uh, at least you know that helped because mm. you know if i was just say like working um, or doing things if, if i didn't have a like a fine, finite timeline somewhere then i think you know it, it could be tempting to just slip into the perpetually discerning mode mm, yeah um, right. yeah and uh, and also too i would say uh, the the way i uh, the way i approached this was that okay i have i have research to do um, I'm in the lab like six, time, like six days a week, sometimes seven. Y'all grad students would know how, how I, I felt at that time. Mm. But um, it wasn't a, like I would just sit back and wait. Um, uh, you know, During that time, I would say, whereas there wasn't really a definitive answer for me, uh, what I did was I continued to, uh, to pay attention to how the Lord speaks through my life within the context of my own discernment. So for example, as I was uh, continuing with grad school, the question of, well, how am I still sitting with this whole being a Jesuit thing? You know, Mm. as I continue with my research and then as, uh, you know, in my friend circle, oh, you know, like attractive Catholic ladies, they they exist, they really exist. (laughs) And then i was like, oh, so okay, this is how I'm feeling. How does that play into my, my wanting to be a Jesuit thing?
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: um, yeah, so I, I think it was, um, it was more of a, uh, if, if I can call that period a waiting period, it was more of a actively waiting.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because it sounds like there was this kind of draw or the sense of a resonance between, I, and may, I wonder if you could maybe say more about that, about what was it that was resonating with, about, you know, you said there's something that matched between Jesuit. Something about the Jesuits and something in how you are. What was it that was Mm -hmm. feeling? What was it? What was resonating there?
3: Yeah. How did I jive with this whole Jesuit? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, what was it that was piquing your curiosity? Even while there was, you know, like grad school, that sounds like it was going well and maybe good communities and prospects of dating or whatever it was that were kind of there too. You know, what was it that was, what was the pull?
3: Um, I think the pool at that time, like you know, after having known all about the Jesuits, the pool for me was I wanted, um, I wanted more in my life. Mm.
4: Uh, it
3: wasn't as if I wanted more life experience, right, or more money. Because if I want money, why on earth would I want to be a Jesuit, right,
4: right?
3: <laughs> um, but I just, I just wanted more, and um, I think this was in retrospect. I realized that I want to give my life more. Mm.
0: Hmm. That's very interesting.
1: And, yeah. And that felt, okay. And so then, but it could be, I mean, that could be fulfilled by, by marriage, right? Like a kicked of self, right? And, and then the Jesuits. So what was that like then trying to discern between these different kind of vocational prospects as a young adult?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very good question. When we're, um, when we're offered, um, um several choices, sometimes a whole lot of choices, we can mm-hmm. be paralyzed by them. And, uh so i think you know for me um at that time it was um, it was really looking into my heart and this this is not just like one sit down um, one sit down reflection but it was like a drawn out reflection that well um uh, you know this this whole jesuit thing um and and this whole marriage thing um i would say uh at that time i was um yeah i was attracted to both but mm-hmm. as I reflect um, uh, more, and this has been confirmed in my judgment life as well, that um, there's this there's this um, idea of giving my life to serve the Lord, um, to serve the Lord, to follow the Lord, to love the Lord as a um, yeah, as a consecrated religious to give my mm-hmm. life this way, to love this way that uh, that really speaks to me, and right. uh, that desire um, I would say that desire in me has been um, uh, was is and has like it? It continues to be stronger than uh, the one for marriage.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I wonder because when you when you speak about that, about the desire to kind of give yourself in love for the Lord, like as a consecrated religious, like my heart it just kind of explodes with that because I feel like in my own vocational discernment there was like. There was so much, but it's interesting because it totally aligns with what we're talking about because, um, because I remember at one point while I was discerning that I was feeling that like, Lord, I feel like you are calling me to belong to you alone. Like, and I want to give myself, like, it was like he had given me these desires to give myself fully to him. But then I was also in this place where he was not showing me how, and it wasn't like, I was like waiting to hear from him how like he was going to fulfill those desires, which was like torturous in, in, in a lot of circumstances. Right. And also because, because I felt like I was like, doing things, like not being paralyzed in what I was doing, you know, like I was going on come and see retreats with religious communities or talking to these people or like I was actively kind of trying to like pray, listen to the Lord, do things that might kind of help him to clarify for me where he was calling me. And it felt like he was shutting every door and Mm. that did not feel like, now I look and I'm grateful for it because it was actually him, you know, like (laughs) guiding me. But at the time I was like, um, what the heck, like... You, you are very mean. Like why are, you, like, why are you torturing me like this? You know? Um, yeah. So I'm wondering for you, like in the process of maybe even formation or kind of coming to, um, to um, like vows and things like that, like have there, what is your experience of that been of like waiting for the Lord to um, to kind of shed light, or to bring you into into a kind of final yes, or um, what has that looked like for you?
3: I think the way I would describe my own experience is that um and, and this very much goes with, um, you know, what we call Ignatian spirituality, the way, say Ignatius invites us to pray. And, uh, you know, it's something that I think, you know, after, like this is my 14th year as a Jesuit, so mm. it has become more or less a second nature uh, to me. It is is—it um, is a kind of, um, yeah, like I said before, a kind of active waiting. And during that time, what am I active uh, mm. with? What am I active right. about? It is to, to constantly pay attention to um, uh, yeah h- how um, how the Lord um, has been with me during my life and uh, yeah what uh, uh, you know what keeps my that, that fire inside me burning um, what draws me to God um, what gives me great as Ignatius we would call consolation what draws me towards God um, mm. and so it would it was a it was a constant um, paying attention to this kind of a dynamic inside my uh, uh, yeah, inside my spiritual life uh, be it when I was discerning to join the Jesuits or even um, as a Jesuit myself like you know I was as I was um, going through the Jesuit formation it's always paying attention to those things it's almost like um, you, you're actively gathering data um, yeah. but mm-hmm. gathering data not not in the sense that okay I've gathered this data and I when I um, put them out on an Excel spreadsheet or like Google sheets or what have you then they will automatically make sense but <laughs> right. rather yeah. it is gathering mm. these data and then taking them to prayer yeah, mm. yeah so th- that's how I would describe it is it's a like this waiting period is is trying to sift through these uh, these data that I have gathered through a kind of a prayerful uh, reflection and see how God is speaking through that
1: mm. yeah. There's a couple of things coming to mind as you're talking about this, Father. Um, you know, when we talk... So, you know, this episode is titled Waiting for Clarity, right? And I think that waiting can sometimes uh, conjure up images of just pacific passivity, right? Of just kind of sitting around and waiting, you know, it's just waiting for orders or something. And I, you know, I I can I can think about times in my life or or ways that I maybe misinterpreted how people talked about, God leading where it was, it did seem like that where I, okay, I have to sort of, you know, I'm just, I'm just here waiting for God to tell me what to do. And in the meantime, I'm just gonna do nothing or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is in are you're, you're being very clear about that. That's not, that's not what's entailed. You know, you're describing your own discernment period of a time of, um, going to grad school and you were dating for a while and, and you were thinking, you know, so there's this just, just thing of like moving forward with life and if it's what gives you life and joy and peace and what's exciting for you in life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that active part of life, but then also this kind of, um, like you're saying this, this attentiveness to those, those movements of, of the spirit within us. And I don't know, maybe this is a good time to talk about Maybe a little bit of that Ignatian spirituality of what what does that mean to like what does consolation mean? what does desolation you know what do these things mean and I'm sure maybe maybe many of our listeners are are familiar with these terms or maybe not, um but I think it's worth maybe um diving into what what did that what was that like for you as you went through that discernment period
3: yeah nicole, thank you uh thank you for the question. and I thought you know when you said that uh sometimes our understanding of waiting can be. Um, well, incomplete or twisted. As I say, you know, it's like waiting for an order. Um, Mm, Yes. um, Like the way I I look at it is that while the Lord isn't Uber Eats, we're not waiting for the Lord that way. Mm. That's
1: good. Dang it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Wouldn't that be nice? If it was just like, I'm going to sit here and do nothing until you tell
3: me what to do. And then I'll have
0: a number one and a number four. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be here in 30 minutes. Yeah. I'll use that
3: coupon, you know? (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah that's great that's
3: it. Um, now, <laughs> okay. if there's one take-home thing uh take-home thing for you all is that the lord isn't uber eats right
2: that's Right. <laughs> <Yep>. mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry guys <That's> um, <laughs> but i thought you
3: know um uh as i was reflecting on this this image from uh from scripture came to mind i'm a priest so i can't really take my out of that realm um <laughs> the biblical image from psalm 130 uh, y'all would have heard of this already, like my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, You've you heard, heard that one before. And mm-hmm. so I think this actually paints a very good image for us. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. So we can then ask ourselves, so how do, how do these watchmen or sentinels in different translations, how do they uh, wait for the morning then? We can imagine, say, you know, someone on watch, they're just dozing off Super sleepy, um, Mm -hmm. yawning away, and just like, oh, I can't wait for the morning so that my shift is over. I can go sleep. Or you can have watchmen being very actively on guard, Mm -hmm. being very actively on guard, paying attention to the surroundings and here, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, waiting for the morning. So, you know, I I am at Avid. Uh, sky watcher, sky appreciator, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. To those of you, you know, who are also you know, who also belong to that category what up um so when
1: i it's true i I can sorry can confirm because father admin when we had we had coffee shortly before i moved to nashville and i think you showed me several like i think we showed each other several like sun sun no like sunrise and sunset pictures you know just like the sky watching uh funny uh, thing yeah yeah
3: Yeah, we bonded over that (laughs) that's right
1: that's right that's awesome.
2: Actually, I'm going to interject. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah, part of please. the club too, because <laughs> no. we, so a friend of mine and shout out to her, she knows she listened um, to our podcast. We did, cause during COVID you couldn't really go anywhere and we're like, we want to do something. Mm-hmm. And so we did, we did like sunrise trips. So we did a couple mm-hmm. trips to places that we've been to before, but we went there just before, so like Niagara Falls, actually, we went there just before cool. the sun rose. And then we took pictures of the sunrise and it was like, please. it was the most beautiful thing ever. Actually. I mean, we all share some pictures we can put on our Instagram or something. They're so gorgeous. Yeah, this is <laughs> becoming
3: a bit of a tangent, but yeah. um, <laughs> I, I also belong to a WhatsApp group with a few friends and the name of the group is called Opakarophils. Um, okay. Apparently it's a fancy word for those who deeply appreciate sunset.
4: Oh, okay. Oh, There you go. All right. That's, cool. So oh,
3: that's the, cool. The reason yeah. why I bring up sunrises and sunsets is because, you know, mm. I think if the watchman is really paying attention, like really waiting for the morning. Um, and, you know, I think for those of us who, who, who have anticipated sunrise before, we, we know that experience. We're watching the sky and it's pitch dark. And then suddenly the colors start to change a little bit and a little bit. And uh, yeah, like just watching that changing mm-hmm. of the, uh, the colors, the different colors, uh, indicating different stages of dawn. And, yeah. you know, like that kind of anticipation, but there's also a, a great attentiveness to there as mm. well. So I think, yeah. you know, that kind of an image really, uh, really speaks to me in terms of how, uh, how we are called to be attentive while we are waiting. So I think mm. it's this kind of an active waiting. Mm.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, and even to add to that, I'm just sort of riffing off of you here and thinking, you know, when we're attentive to those sun, like literally the sunrises and sunsets, we're waiting for something that's beautiful. We're waiting for something that, Mm -hmm. that just makes our soul come alive. And we don't want to focus on anything else. You know, you don't want to be on your phone in those moments because you want to, you don't want to miss any moment of Mm -hmm. when the sun catches a particular cloud or when a particular color changes, or when all of a sudden you see reflection over water in the sunset or whatever, it is. You're waiting for this beauty. Um, so I love that analogy of, of waiting for even in our own lives, like that beauty of something that excites of, Oh my gosh, like what is God doing in this, this moment in my life? What is this thing that I'm, you know, when I'm for me, it's sometimes when I'm teaching or when I'm doing these things, Oh my gosh, this brings me so alive. This is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, but like looking for those moments, I think is a beautiful, Mm um, I don't know, analogy of what, what discernment can be like, like looking for those beauty in those life things yeah
0: it's interesting because even thinking about that like the uh one of the office of readings i think i think it was either yesterday or a couple of days ago was talking about the waiting and how the lord allows longing because because it signifies the good of what is to be obtained like it signifies the good of what will come um and that because he allows us to long in such a deep way, it also in some way changes how we prepare for it, like how we orient ourselves to the good that is to be received, right? Like um, mm-hmm. there's something, and there is something good in that, but it's also like, I can also picture my hand, like, cause it's true what you're saying, Nicole. And it's also true. I think that um, that in the hour before the sunset, there is no evidence. Or before the sunrise, there's no evidence of it. Right. And, and so it's like because I even remember that. Even again, by thinking, thinking all about my discernment right now. But um, yeah, yeah. But I remember my spiritual director saying like, some people remain single for their whole lives. And I was like, I want to punch you in the face. Like, (laughs) and I I didn't. But she didn't. Or she didn't. Because my spiritual director is of, he was, he's still alive. He's not my spiritual director now because I've moved, but he still is a very good and holy man. Such a good father. However, I had never desired to punch him in the face so much as when he said that. because, Because it was kind of like, it's like... It feels like a torture to think of the possibility that there is a desire that runs so deep that may not be fulfilled in this life. And I feel like that's sitting in the hour before the sunrise when there is no evidence right. of it. Like, yeah. and, you know, waiting for the Lord to to speak something into that.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. I just... Um, yeah. I had this, I was, I had the same thought, Aaron, when you were about what you're saying, because, and I think it's about really at the end of the day, it's about trust. Like there is this sense that I have of the longing. And so for me, father, like I'm still, I'm still discerning. I don't have my vocation. And, and, and I mean, a lot of people, young adults don't later and later. And now it seems for whatever reason, but in the waiting and in the center, kind of getting to know yourself and listening to the Lord and befriending these desires. I think the scariest part is actually when the Lord reveals a desire to your heart and you realize how deeply you long for it. It's actually just becoming friends with that is really scary because you're like, "Oh, what if you don't answer this?" Like I I don't want to get close to this desire because what if it's not going to be answered? And the pain of that, I think there is a process around recognizing like who is God and who, Like, does he love me? Like, you know, the question of God's love for us really enters into this whole waiting for clarity when you're faced with a deep, as of yet, unanswered desire. Mm -hmm. And Father, you know, for the Jesuits, like, I don't know if people are familiar with your formation, but it takes a long time before you you know, before you take your, your final vows and before you become a priest. And so there, I'm sure there's like a lot of wrestling with desires in that sense in, in the formation process, even though you've, you've already discerned like, okay, I'm, I'm here with the Jesuits and I'm discerning with the Jesuits. It's not like you're a Jesuit the next day, you have to go through this long process. So did you ever feel that father, like a fear of kind of, embracing the desire to be a Jesuit or anything kind of along those lines and how would what would you advise for people who may be experiencing that
3: yeah thank you Rachel for this question Um, you know I suppose uh, uh, with us Jesuits uh, we become like full-fledged Jesuits after we take vows um, after our novitiate, so our first two years of uh, Jesuit life. In fact, I'm I'm not on staff at a Jesuit novitiate in Montreal, Canada, and like people, people don't know what novitiate is. People don't know what novices are. So I just tell them I help to train baby Jesuits. <laughs> I was a baby Jesuit, you know. <laughs>
4: um,
3: yeah. So uh, after two years, we take vows, and our vows are perpetual right off the bat. Okay, um, so,
4: oh, I didn't know. And that.
3: then we're mm. um, and then we're we're just Jesuits. Um, right. Um, I suppose, you know, like the, the, the kind of discern period would be like during the division. And the way I handled it, it was, um, I think there was a fair bit of rolling with the punches there. Mm. Uh, that, okay, you know, so this, uh, you know, these are the classes that I'm taking. These are the, uh, you know, these are what, what uh, you know, what's coming up in my prayer. Um, and the, these, are, these are the ways in which I've noticed uh, the Lord you know, uh, speaking to me in my different experiences. What am I to make of that? But I, I, always, you know, just continue to to collect them, as it were, and uh, and yeah, and then it came a point where um, where we have to decide. Oh, okay, you know, um, you're you're a second year uh, Jesuit now. Uh, vows, you know, the vows are kind of looming on the horizon, like a good sunrise. That um, <laughs> so we need to make a decision, and uh, at at that point, I thought, okay, so. After having seen all these, uh, you know how the Lord has spoken to me as I am living this uh, living this Jesuit life as it were, and uh, seeing um, uh, seeing how He has loved me through the process and how it um, how it also enabled me, empowered me to love others as well. And then I thought, okay, if this is what a Jesuit life is like, I'm in.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's beautiful.
3: So again, I think it's it's uh, for me it's more of a uh um I would say more like a dynamic, like discerning on the go, you know. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, this is actually good because I think we can even come back to that question that Nicole was asking about, like, and that Rachel was asking, like, if there are people who feel like they're in the hour before the sunrise and they're like waiting for God to speak, or even that they've been discerning something and they haven't really felt like they're still gathering data, like you say, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're still gathering data, but they don't necessarily have a real sense or they kind of do, but they don't know how God is going to really fulfill that, um, which can definitely be a, a really painful place, like what might you say to those people in terms of especially things from Ignatian spirituality that can be helpful to help us listen to the Lord and to be open to um, to what he's to what he's saying
3: to us? you know Aaron, I think the the first thing that I can say is' uh, it's very basic almost but uh, but also I think it's very fundamental is to get to know the Lord more
4: hmm.
3: to get to know the Lord more because you know like this is a God who loves us and and who who loves us unto death? You know, we see that on the cross in Jesus Christ, and and to remember that you know this is the, uh, this is the God who loves me and who gives His life for me, and to to get to know this God more, so that I um, I don't come into those um, those dark moments in my life where I would start doubting whether this is actually a God who loves me.
4: Mm.
3: To to remind yeah. ourselves of that and to allow allow ourselves to really, I think ground ourselves in the language of love, not just in the language of philosophy. This is what God is like. This is what God is like. This is how God um, uh, God will, um, will act in my life. But really, um, yeah, God is love and God has called us to love. I mean, like, that's um, the that's interest of this year, right? You know, our vocation is to love. Mm-hmm. And to ground ourselves in that, to, um, to avoid being sucked into those, uh, those darker moments. And secondly, I would say, um, let's not discern anything on our own. Because when we do that, we get into our head and we will just go <laughs> in a yep. million directions. Yep. Um, yeah, That is not to say that, you know, I, we, we need to share our, our uh, inner thoughts and uh, yearnings on um, Instagram or on Twitter or what have you. Right. Um, yeah, please, Scott, No. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I Talk to someone who is more experienced in it. I would understand well this kind of a spiritual journey and the ways of God. And uh, if you can, um, you know, find a spiritual director to journey with you. Just so mm-hmm. that, you know, there's, there, there's like a, a set of eyes that are a, a little bit more objective in mm-hmm. seeing what you're going through. And uh, yeah, really uh, accompanying you through it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I feel like it's awesome. so good to emphasize the... Like for those who might be listening, who, if you don't have a spiritual director, th- just how good it it is to have someone who can walk with you like that, like the real gift that it is. And it can be hard to find one. Find so one. Yeah, this yeah. was the question also that I wanted to ask you, Father, is like, who would you recommend? Like if somebody is looking for somebody to walk with them like that, like a spiritual director, um, what are the ways that you usually suggest to people? to like where where what dark corners of the church can they look in to find these elusive spiritual directors
3: the dark corners of the church that's called the jesuits
1: (laughs) where all those weirdos are was that a jesuit joke father yeah
3: that's awesome awesome. um yeah i would say you know i'm a jesuit and i do think that uh we uh, we we serve the church. We we serve the church. Um, yep. uh, in in you know this way, uh, this is something that we bring to the table, uh, or someone who uh, who understands the way um, uh, Saint Ignatius sees discernment. Um, I, I think there are plenty of people uh, out there. Like we don't we don't monopolize this whole mm. discernment thing. Mm. Saint Ignatius uh, he uh, yeah he simply systemizes, systemizes it. And also, you know, with his own insight as well. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like f- find people who actually know what they're talking about when we are talking about discernment, because I think it's a big word, yeah. and a lot of times we don't know what we're talking about when we're talking about discernment,
4: right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh,
3: or you know yeah. what? Sometimes, sometimes uh, I think some people they uh, they may benefit more from si- simply, I think what we would call like a spiritual conversation, just to talk mm-hmm. things out a little bit more. They yeah. may not necessarily need a spiritual director right off the bat, mm-hmm. but just to have, have someone to talk to and uh, to to see things a little bit clearly, I think that can also be very helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something that's coming to mind too, and this is... um. You know, I know, I know people who have had really negative experiences with spiritual directors mm-hmm. um, and often it's been a thing where the spiritual director was was kind of directing in a way and and trying to say, oh, you know, I think you have this call. I'm pretty sure you have this call. And so you should fall. Right. Um, whereas really, I think the role of the spiritual director is is and like you're saying like spiritual conversation or accompaniment like to help the person discern where is god calling me and how how is god leading me um which is is something that only i think like a spiritual director can help you recognize where God is leading you, but their job is not to tell you where God is leading you. Right. Um, So I think that's also something if, you know, I, I I think, and I I had a fear for a long time of having a spiritual director, because I was really afraid that a spiritual director would, would tell me where to go. And I knew that I, what I needed was somebody who could help me learn to listen to the voice of God in my life Mm -hmm. more, not just to tell me what to do. Um, and now i've had you know I've, I've had a few different spiritual directors and it's been amazingly helpful because that's exactly what they've done it they've helped me to 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 learn to listen to the voice of god you know one of the most common things that i've i've received in spiritual direction is when i said oh you know i'm trying to figure this out and this is tricky and, and the spiritual will say you know well what is what has the lord said when you've brought that to prayer and often i've been like Oh. oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Prayer,
4: right. You know? right. yeah. I mean, I
1: prayed, but I forgot to like talk to the Lord about this, the real stuff, you know.
4: Right. Um,
1: yeah. so you know, those kinds of things are really helpful, I think, and just sort of keeping us like just bringing us back to the Lord often. Um so, anyways, I, I'm kind of a little bit rambling there. Um, but I think it just of of uh, you know, sort of two things of of you can be discerning with your spiritual director too you know of, of finding someone who is right. is going to support you and not tell you what to do but also that there are that that is that there are so many good spiritual directors yeah. out there and
0: well sometimes you know. it's even just personality like i've had spiritual directors sure. before yeah. where i met a few times and then i was like It just is like, we don't, it's like, we speak a little bit of a different language, you know, even though like they're amazing and I'm obviously amazing. So that's, you know, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also I just want to cycle back. Father, you said about Mm -hmm. um, just getting to know who the Lord is. And I think Mm -hmm. like everything in me was like, yeah, that's because I think that is where kind of in this waiting for clarity stuff that the evil one really attacks us is to really make us doubt who God is and that he actually loves us. And I think, you know, it can be, it can, there can be this kind of idol that we make out of in quotes, like a vocation in the sense that of course, God has a vocation for us. And I'm speaking from my own experience where you kind of think like, oh my gosh, my vocation and you like kind of, you know, you can kind of panic about like, you don't have it yet. And like, you can really kind of spiral and really it's the Lord is doing so much in, in your life in that moment, or there's so much happening that we, just need to be pay attention to. And it may not lead to an immediate answer. And I think more important than the answer in quotes to like, what is my vocation is, you know, do I really know that the Lord loves me? And in that relationship, love with God, that those desires and that vocation will unfold but all of that really is secondary or it's just an expression of the of the primary reality of the relationship that I'm called to first with the Lord and then to those that he places in my life to love and serve and to receive love from and you know just have and be in community with and you know yeah. be a missionary to and whatever else he might be asking of us but mm-hmm. I think I think that going back to Jesus and even what you said like who loves us unto death the fact that God he literally gave everything for us in a sense for me that has been a touchstone like such a crucial touchstone because when I forget I look at the cross and I just think like oh yeah like nobody would do that for me who doesn't love me (laughs) you know like you Mm. don't why would he do that for me and it's it's something so simple and so human but it helps me a lot and I think Mm. sometimes that very simple you know um pivot back mm. to the lord it just
0: helps reset a little bit into your early mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting i yeah because even when you're talking i'm like i feel like that resonates but then also even the sense of like impatience because i am a very impatient person and that, hey, don't laugh. That is just, okay. I'm sorry. We, we <laughs> just, just love you, Erin. <laughs> you know, we know you, we love you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But it's true. Like when you're waiting for something or when you're waiting, like, because even I can think of times, even right now, like things in my life that I'm like, okay, Lord, like, let's get a move on, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know that he, I know that he loves me. um, And, and that's like foundational, but there is that impatience that's like i know you love me but i want my will or i know you love me but i love myself more than you love me like i like or weird things like that you know um i think the, all of those kind of things can play out that are that are definitely manifestations or different ways of us really not trusting the lord's love for us which is also trusting the lord's plan for us because it is an expression of his love for us you know like whatever the plan is um, so I definitely wanted to ask you that, Father. What um, what kind of advice would you have for people in the area of like patience and growing yeah. in that trust?
3: So, Aaron, you're asking me that um, uh, we, we we should pray for patience, like, and I want patience right now.
4: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, who was it, Perfect. Saint Augustine, who was like, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. Yeah. but it's uh, give me it's patience like the opposite. right now yeah exactly oh uh,
4: yeah
3: yeah thank you i think that's a very good question and uh you know uh what i would say to that I, I think you know um what when you were talking about this like you, you were circling around the word trust and i think that's that's exactly the word is mm-hmm. trust or um the lack of trust that we may have
4: mm-hmm.
3: um uh, uh for the lord and uh uh, the way I spin this question is, uh, you know, when we are discerning, when we're looking for clarity, as it were, um, I think a lot of times we may get sucked into the temptation of seeking this 100% certainty and clarity. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we turn to scripture, the Lord never sits, you know, the the disciples down or the like Peter down or John is like, so have you figured this out? Are you 100% there? Do I need to convince you more? Um, you know, the Lord doesn't, you um, he doesn't call us that mm. way. Um, uh, but yeah, like, and uh, yeah, so I, I think this, this thing about, oh, I want to be 100% convinced that has more to do with ourselves and our lack mm. of trust than um, how, how the Lord is. You know? Yeah. Because, Ugh. yeah, the, the way the Lord is with us is the Lord asks us us to well, He calls us and He He asks us to have faith and to follow Him, and that is like that is isn't at all like one hundred percent certainty and clarity there, right? But like taking that step, I think you know what we can be one hundred percent sure is really at the end of the day that um, well. God's love is there for us. And if I do follow him, then I can be 100% sure that, um, yeah, you know, I uh, I will, yeah, I, my, my, my heart will, will, uh, will love in a way that, you know, I will really grow into uh, what the Lord desires uh, uh, me to be.
4: Hmm. Yeah.
2: In that vein, Father, I have maybe um, another question that is not in the line of, your vocation to the Jesuits or or even the priesthood at all. But if, so there's a lot of young adults I know who are discerning marriage or just praying for a spouse or just not feeling called to religious life, not the priesthood, living the single life, not necessarily, you know, just wait in a way, waiting for clarity or whatever. What kinds of things can they do when there's not an actual person that they're discerning a vocation with or community, and they're living, but they're feeling like kind of what you said at the beginning of your story, like they're feeling there's more, there's more that they want to give. There's another way that they feel called to love, and they're not sure what to do with that. Like where Erin was really before she discerned her life to to be a consecrated virgin, her vocation to consecrated virginity. What would you advise people to do where there's not really that answer yet, and there's they're not feeling called to go in a specific direction? And they're living their lives. How do they deal with those desires of something more? What would you advise them to
3: do? Yeah, Rachel. Thank you for your question. Um, I think what I would say to that is, do not let um, uh, this this reality of you know I don't uh, I don't have um, I don't have an answer right now. I don't have a definitive answer. I do not let that stop us from living, mm-hmm. because I think we can be we can be paralyzed by that. Yep. you know i i want to figure this out right now because you know um when i when i figure this out then life would just be perfect
4: right yeah yeah
3: but uh but yeah let's not allow that uh that almost like um this state of incompletion as it were to paralyze mm-hmm. us but but you know continue to love and to serve
4: mm-hmm. yeah because i think
3: you know like at the end of the day um uh to to be christians i mean, like that's. Uh, that's kind mm. of it.
4: Totally, <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what my spiritual director used to say all the time. Like every time we would talk about vocations or things like that, he's like, "You know, the call is to holiness. The call is to it's holiness."
4: It's so unsatisfying Period. sometimes. It is. Like, ah. Dang it!
0: Well, I know. Did, did you I, have
3: to punch him at that time as well? I did. Also
0: <laughs> a little bit, but not quite as much as the other time. Yeah, it was probably the same conversation. Yeah, yeah,
4: but yeah. 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 I think
2: that's perseverance though, father, like what you're saying is like, mm-hmm. is really the virtue of perseverance. I think it does. And we need the Lord. for. Like you can't do that. You can't live yeah. in that sort of state. I like how you said it, even though it's not because we are a Christian, we're complete in, in the re- reality of our Christian identity, mm-hmm. but we are maybe feeling an incompletion in our lives because there's this something more that we desire to give. Mm-hmm. But in that sense of incompletion, you know we are called to persevere we're called to persevere and i think that that it can, mm-hmm. it's not always easy but i think it's very real and it's
1: it's a real calling in a sense like it really is it's a yeah it's yeah. A, yeah it's a calling totally. yeah i always think of um it, i mean okay so father when you're talking about this thing of we may not never have like 100% clarity of this is what i'm called to do and i know for sure and therefore it's great um but it's more of just trusting the lord with 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 the data that we have and and continuing forward. I hate that. I think that's the worst. I really want clarity. <laughs> I want everything to be a hundred percent sure, but I know that what you're saying is true. Right. Um, but I, I often think of CS Lewis who got married at in his fifties or sixties or something. Oh, yeah. And of course he's CS Lewis is prolific writer and someone who was following God's call in his life. Um, and that question of vocation wasn't settled until like his later life. And, and then that was beautiful, you know? Um, and so we just like, we never know the timing of God is, is very interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and very it's, weird. um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but I don't know. I found that comforting. I was just thinking, okay, like just because, um, you know, the timing, I, I mean, I, I, these are things that I'm, I'm actively struggling with or, or wrestling with in my life right now. It's questions of vocation and discernment and clarity and all of these things. Right. Um, but just to remain focused on the Lord and trust in his timing and trust in his leading, that yeah. it's good is like, that is at the bottom of a lot of it, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is hard. I, I want that clarity mm-hmm. and just to, to give that all up is, is difficult. And yet that is, that is the kind of I don't know the paradox of discernment is that it's it's to lean not on our own understanding you know yeah,
0: yeah. man. I- so funny. I'll share a little quip and then um, and then we'll have to move into Godwinks. I feel like we could talk about this forever though. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking of uh, this one priest. I don't know if you ever met him, Father Edmund. His name is um, Father Steve Ransom. Um, he was in Toronto for a little while. He stayed where I used to work at the Newman Center. He stayed there for a summer while he was studying, I think at Regis, um, possibly, or might have been St. Mike's. Anyways, he's from Trinidad. But he is one of these priests. He is a very, very holy man, you know, and funny, like (laughs) totally funny, such a joy, good sense of humor, you know, and I remember him talking about, um, you know his discernment and his ordination. He's like you know. And then I got to ordination day, and you know, I was pretty, I was pretty, you know, certain, you know. But then I found myself on the floor in the cathedral in front of all of these people, laying on the floor while they're singing the litany of the saints. And I was like, oh well, I guess this is it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's and, happening. And then he was like, happening. you
0: know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was actually him. It was actually his his question. He says that he remembers thinking like. Will I get to the end of my life and regret, you know, having done this? Because there's never, because there really is never mm. 100% in anything, right? Like, we, you don't know mm. that for marriage. You don't know that for any vocation. You don't know that for a profession you go into, the children you have. the cho- Like, there's so much that's out of our control. We never know anything 100%. So it's always like, um, like you say, you know, like we move the best that we are able to with what, what God has, has shown us and, and then work on our trust more and more every day. <laughs> I think that's a good aim if we could all yeah. be more trusting you know a year from today that's our hmm. our like podcast goal for everybody we'll force ourselves to be more <laughs> trusting. we will have patience now <laughs> and we will have trust no matter what that's and right it's all gonna happen exactly on our schedule that's right like, exactly yeah that's what we've learned from this episode
2: that's no right. no what we learned from this episode is that god is not uber eats that's, that's what we right. learned that's, that's, right. Take that's away. right
0: that's the that's right. That's the takeaway. That's the right. takeaway. Take awesome. And but, fa- oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, Sorry, I was just go gonna rage. say. I
2: mean, that's all awesome. But I was just gonna say, I do really. I you know. Sister Miriam we had her on um Sister Miriam Highland Father on our last first uh, episode of the advent series and we were talking about waiting for healing and she just talked about like the gentleness of God and the kindness yeah. of God and i think that when you're in these periods of like wow like what is happening that you know god does want us to encounter his love and his gentleness and his kindness and and i'm you know i'm not terribly, um, strong in my Ignatian discernment sort of knowledge, but I do know that, you know, he, he talks about not like, he talks about expecting consolation or expecting desolation to end, not expecting it to go on forever. And there's, mm. a, there's a healthy way in which we are called to orient ourselves towards the love and the goodness of God to be shown to us, you know, and to, to ask for
0: that. So, yeah. you know, just to say that, throw that out there. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we'll turn it over to you, Father, because you, uh, I think you said that you have a God wink that you'd like to share with us.
3: Indeed. So um, I think this is a God wink. Uh, If not, we'll just edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So this actually has to do with my uh, discernment process. Um, So at the beginning, uh, I told you that um, what got me to, uh, to go to church more was, you know, after World Youth Day, I just felt, oh, I want to go to church more. So I did. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. So, you know, I, I don't think it would be uh, out of line to say that um, uh, many, many Asian men, young men, young men and men like video games. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I also belonged in past mm-hmm. tense, Uh, to that category so one day this would have been like maybe like a few months after i've um i started to go to daily mass i was playing a video game and it was i think it was like a soccer video game or what have you so just playing away and then really out of the blue the idea of what about being a priest (laughs) okay
1: wow (laughs) that's awesome
3: because i mean like i'm not playing a video game of oh you know exodus journey to the the, uh, (laughs) After yeah, the promised land. no, it wasn't religious at all.
4: Is that a video game, Father? <laughs>
0: That'd be okay. awesome.
3: Yeah, for yeah. all the programmers out there, you know, like here's your chance. That's, That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just a sports video game, and this idea of being a priest came along. And so, you know, like a sane person, I paused the game. I thought, "What on earth?" Huh. And also, like any sane person, I thought, eh, "Okay," and then restarted the game. <laughs> But um, yeah, the, uh, but this idea of, oh, hey, what about being a priest? It kind of stuck with me. It didn't mm-hmm. go away. So that was when, uh, that was one of the, um, I suppose one of the, the, the triggers for me to, okay, maybe I should let and do this more, but it yeah. started in the middle of a video game out of nowhere. That's, that's, that's awesome. really
1: cool.
2: I like love it literally that. made you, I love that you paused the game and like yeah. thought to yourself like, what the
0: heck? And then, <laughs> and then kept playing. Yeah. Love it. Sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. pretty great. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, everybody, um, Thank you for joining us for this week. We want to thank you so much, Father Edmund, for being with us. Um, It was great to have you. And I remarked before we started that you have your Jesuit jacket on. So fancy. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So if anybody's on the YouTube, there you go. You can see it. Um, Yeah. We're really grateful for you to share some of your journey and some of your wisdom, especially working with the baby Jesuits. So you get to have (laughs) a lot of expertise in uh, discernment and formation. And um, yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks to all of those who are listening for joining us. And we have a couple of weeks left in our Advent series. So if you missed Sister Miriam's episode last week, we would invite you to go back and for sure check that out because it's an amazing one. Next week, we're going to have the lovely Anya. How do you pronounce her last name? Krishak. Krishak. Oh I Krishuk. think so, but I it's don't It's Polish. We'll I can't it do is. it. We're going to get her to do it next week. So Anya is going to come. She's going to talk about um, waiting for Christ to come again. So some of the stuff about the book of Revelations and what the second coming of Christ means. And then the last week will be us, we'll be able to recap some of the things that um, that ha- we've talked about during this episode and have some wrap up of things that have stuck with uh, with us in terms of waiting for love, what that looks like. So we're looking forward to ta- seeing you all or talking to you all next week and have a great week, everybody. Thanks, God guys. bless
4: you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.